Welcome to City Talk, a podcast from City View Church in Northern Virginia. At City View, we're about Christ, community, and commission. Trust matters. Trust in our institutions, from politics, education, big business, and even church, is increasingly on the decline. Admittedly, some institutions give people reason for their cynicism to fester. If the leaders of an organization are untrustworthy, the organization is either already in trouble or headed for it. That's why integrity in leaders is so important and we take that seriously at City View. Leading the church is a holy trust for which leaders must give an account before God. City View is an elder-led church, but what does that mean? Let's look at what the Bible says about the role of elders and the character that should define them. All right, well, you know, as a country, it just feels like trust is disintegrating. People don't trust each other as much. We hide behind our social media personas, and then no one trusts institutions. It's actually very frightening to look at survey results taken over the last few decades and see how people used to trust the government, the schools, churches, everything. And now, hardly anyone trusts any institutions. And I'd like to be able to say, well, you know, it's all the government, it's all these others that no one trusts. But the reality is, surveys show people don't trust church leadership. And sure enough, you can look in the news and you'll see scandals crop up every once in a while. So leadership is really important. Churches fare okay, but still not that great in the big picture. Churches, for the last two surveys done, big surveys, we fall in between the medical profession and the public schools. And so we're batting around 30% of people in the country say, yeah, we trust church leadership. So our heart here at City View is that 100% would say, yes, we trust our church leadership. It's really important to us here as a church that you know and trust those that lead the church. So we're going to talk about leadership in the church today. And you can open your Bibles, if you'd like, to the book of Titus. It's a small book back towards the, uh, towards the end of the, of the uh, New Testament. And it's going to tell us a little bit about what elders do, and then who's qualified to be an elder. And then we're going to flip to another section of Scripture to see what should motivate our elders. We as a church are an elder-led church. So what is that? Because to be honest with you, when I hear the term elders, I think of guys kind of in hoodies, in a dark room, kind of remote that no one knows. I can tell you our leaders are not like that. And that is not the way the Bible describes what an elder is. So what do elders do? What is an elder's job? Because again, we don't use that term a lot in, the, in uh, everyday language today. So what does an elder do in the Bible? In the book of Titus, chapter 1, let me give you some of the background here. The Apostle Paul has just gone through the area on a massive mission trip. He started a bunch of churches, and he's writing this letter to Titus, one of his associates. He's saying, Titus, I want you to hang back here. And he says this in verse 5. This is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So back in the day, there was no established churches 
like there are now. The church was a new thing. The book of Titus was written maybe only two or three decades after Jesus rose from the dead. The Apostle Paul had gone through that area on a mission trip, started some churches. But the trouble is, anytime you have a new thing getting started, and then the, the guy that started it moves on, everyone kind of looks at each other and said, uh, what are we supposed to do? I don't know. What are you supposed to do? And so before you knew it, the churches were like the Wild West. It was messy. The loudest voices and the slickest orators took control. And it wasn't always good. So Paul, after he's moved on, is writing this letter to Titus, and he's saying, hey, buddy, I want you to appoint elders in the church. And then he says this, that you might put what remained into order. These fledgling churches were in disarray, and they needed some order. The word that's used for order there in the New Testament is talking about correction and completion. So order means you need people to go in there and correct where they had gone off track, and then you need them to finish the work that had started. That's what an elder is supposed to do. Now, before I go further, there's sometimes a mindset that shows up in church world that's going, whoa, 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 we don't like this organization thing. The church is, we're an organism. We're a family. We're not an organization. And I don't know what it is about church people, but very often we tend to ask questions that don't need to be asked, or we phrase them in the wrong way. Because the church of Jesus Christ is a family. It is an organism. It is a living thing. And God says it is to be run in an organized way. It is an organism and an organization. It's an and thing, not an or thing. And when they didn't have organization, it wasn't going really well. And that's why the book of Titus was written, saying, whoa, 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 let's get things back in order. So the church of Jesus Christ, when it meets as a local church, absolutely, we're a family. We want to love one another. We want to encourage one another towards Jesus Christ. We want this to be a gathering, whether it be Sunday morning or a life group or any gathering we do, that there's a sense of expectancy. And man, I can't wait to get there and see some of my favorite people. We want that. We'll never give that up. At the same time, we also want to run things in an organized and decent way. Because if you don't have any organization, things tend towards maximum chaos. The second law of entropy applies in physics and it applies in church world. So organization and organism, both are true. And we can have both. And so God has a plan for churches to be healthy and run in an organized way. And that is through teams of elders in a local church. I think it's significant that every time you see the word elder, when it's used in terms of his relationship to a church, it's in the plural sense in the New Testament. As in, they are teams. Elder is in the plural so often in the New Testament that it's one of those things that it's so obvious that I don't think Scripture explicitly spells out the word team of elders. 
but it's always in the plural. I think the plurality of elders, the team, is important because Acton's law of power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely gets proven true over and over throughout history and in any organization. So it's important to have a sense of checks and balances. Another reason to have uh, team leadership is no one Christian is the total package. No one Christian has got every gift and can do it all. You take one look at me, and that should be screamingly obvious. I need the other guys that we have on the elder team. I need you all. We need each other. God wants his people to be interdependent. So teams are really important. I think also, practically speaking, different elders will connect different, better with different people in the congregation. And that's fine. You might say, you know, I resonate with this elder more so than that elder. That's fine. Being an elder is not a popularity contest. Our heart is that everyone in this congregation feels that they are heard and cared about and knows that the leadership of the church is looking out for you. That's what we want. And so we have a team of elders that lead this church. So elders are called to bring order to the church. We're an organism and we're an organization. Another word that you'll see associated with eldering is to shepherd the church. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he has entrusted the shepherding of his church to under-shepherds. The book of 1 Peter addresses this. And in the book of 1 Peter, I'm just going to read to you uh, the first three verses of this chapter. It says this, the apostle Peter is writing here. And he says, I exhort the elders, plural, amongst you, as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. That is shepherding. Shepherding a church really involves three major things. A shepherd of a church is to lead, feed, and protect, just like a shepherd does with sheep. Lead, feed, and protect. Before God, we as the elders are responsible for saying, this is the direction that we believe God has called City View to. We know that our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's every local church on the planet. That is our mission, make disciples. That's our mandate. And then God says, exactly how you do that might look a little different in each place. And we're going to talk more about that later on today. But the elders are to provide direction for the church. Say, this is what we're doing. The elders are to help us to prioritize what we do as a church. Because, you know, I think one of Satan's greatest tools in church world is to get churches so busy that they don't have time to do that which really matters. A successful church is not necessarily one that has a completely full calendar. Because God wants us in the world out there 
to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And again, in the spirit of it's not an or thing, it's an and thing, evangelism involves going out into the world and inviting people here. It's not an either or. That's what we're called to do. We want to make disciples here. The shepherd feeds the flock. We as the elders are responsible for the teaching of the word of God and to see that the congregation at City View has what they need to take their next step towards Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. We want to help you take your next step towards knowing, loving, and following Jesus Christ. And as you get to know us as elders, as we get to know you, we can address some things. Maybe it might be individually. We help you along with something. Or maybe we go, wow, we're hearing a lot of people saying we need to do teaching on this subject. We'll do that. But we are to feed the flock to help you take your next step towards knowing, loving, and following Christ. Elders are also to protect the flock. Uh, a sheep is pretty defenseless. And shepherds look out for the flock. And a shepherd will put his life on the line to protect the flock from whatever is going after it. In the context of Scripture and in the context of Titus, as you read through it more, and I would encourage you to read the book of Titus. It's only three chapters long. And it tells you what a healthy church should look like. It's kind of like an instruction manual for how to make a healthy church. We talked through it not too long ago. The elders are called to protect the church from false doctrine. And in the early days of the church, when things were like the Wild West, there was very little law and order. Boy, that was really important. The churches had to know what is sound doctrine. What is the correct way for a Christian to behave? And things kind of settled in, and, and the church has had a long tradition. But nowadays, with the advent of social media and podcasts, you can listen to almost anything without having it vetted. So we as a church will guard the doctrine that is taught here. If you have any questions about things you hear, or if you see on social media, and say, hey, wh what do you think about this? Are there really missing books in the Bible? Are there other ways to heaven beside Jesus? There's no such thing as a dumb question. I promise you, if you come to any of the elders with a question about, hey, what about this? We're not going to put our hood on and say, that's a very silly question. We would love to talk with you. We want to know what you're thinking, what you're exposed to. And if it is something that is contrary to the word of God, then we'll help guide you. So we're to protect from false teaching. False teaching leads to destruction. We as elders pray for you. Sometimes it's collectively, but I know certainly it's individually. And as we know of different things you're going through and different prayer requests we share with you, I'll stand before you right now and say, we promise to be faithful in praying for you. And as you share prayer requests with us, please follow up. Let us know how things are going so we can rejoice with you as you see the answers to that. As we pray with you, it says in James chapter 5, the elders would pray for those who are sick. And some people argue over whether it's a spiritual sickness or a physical sickness. I say, let's not even make that a debate. 
If you need prayer for a physical ailment or if you're struggling spiritually, we'll pray for you. We'd be glad to come and meet with you. Or if you'd like to pull aside after a church service here, we'll pray with you. We're here for that. Scripture tells us to do that, so we're going to do it. So elders serve a purpose, and that is to bring order to the church and then also to shepherd those within the congregation. But who is an elder? What does it mean to be an elder? Is it the richest person in the church, the smartest person in the church, anything like that? Well, obviously, when I stand up here, you can tell that it isn't one of those two. But the Bible does give character traits of an elder. And in Titus chapter 1, it continues. And I just want to march through this. There's a parallel passage in 1 Timothy chapter 3 you can look at as well. But the Apostle Paul in verse 5 says, Okay, Titus, get elders established in the local churches. Get these guys set up so that they can lead the church faithfully and bring order to it. And Titus, I'd imagine, went, uh, where do I begin with this? And so Scripture gives a list of, this is what you should look for in who you bring on board as an elder. Starts like this in verse 6. If anyone is above reproach. Now, above reproach is a real important trait that shows up in all these lists. Above reproach means this is a person who is not an easy target for criticism. doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means that by and large, people say, yeah, I see this guy, and I see he's consistent in the way he lives his life. Consistent Christ-likeness. It also says this, the husband of one wife, which literally means a man with one woman. He is faithful to his wife. He must not be arrogant. God resists the proud in Scripture. So it would make no sense to have an elder who's proud. An elder must be humble. He's not quick-tempered. We all know it's very hard to trust a hothead. Maybe you've had a boss who you were never sure if they're going to fly off the handle at any time or if they were going to be really nice and kind. You can't have someone who's quick-tempered. Or a drunkard. And this literally means not given to much wine. It doesn't mean never drinks, but it means is never controlled by wine or any other substance. An elder should not be violent. You should always, always feel safe around an elder. Not greedy for gain. I can tell you, no one becomes an elder here because it's going to advance their career or it's going to get them extra money, or anything like that. We're not in it for personal advancement. An elder is to be hospitable. An elder should love being with the people that he shepherds. We don't want just elders who are removed and only work with the organization side of things. It's both. And I can tell you, the elders love you guys. Elders would be hospitable. Spend time with the people. We can't have an elder who just shows up Sunday morning and then boom, that's it. They're gone and not involved in the lives of anyone here. An elder is a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined. I think discipline is really important because an elder is going to have to make wise choices. Because the chances are, if the church looks at a man and says, 
this guy's got leadership potential, elder potential, chances are his employer has already figured that out too. And so there's going to be many demands on the schedule. Now, I would encourage you on your own time to go through these lists in Titus chapter 1, which are up, is up on the screen, and um, 1 Timothy chapter 3. These are all good traits for all of us to aspire to in life. But the theme tying all of these lists together is above reproach. It's the bedrock on which all these other traits stand. And again, above reproach doesn't mean you're perfect, but it does mean that you have a character that doesn't raise questions. It does mean that people look at you and say, I know how you are around church folk, but I also see you during the week. Some Bible translations, instead of the, word above, the words above reproach, will say blameless. And that means not vulnerable to accusations. And this matters because elders are to be stewards of God's church. This matters because we have a crisis of trust all around us. And if we have leaders that are untrustworthy, then we're in a heap of trouble. So that's why we want to be open as leaders, and we want you to know us. Elders set the tone. And if we want to have an above-reproach congregation, we need to have leaders that are above-reproach. I see three major areas that this above-reproach really stands out in. First of all, at home, in Titus 1.6, faithful. An elder is to be faithful to his wife. And in general, his kids are walking with the Lord. And I say this in general because kids make up their own minds. But elders are to set a tone in the church and in their home where those around them say, yeah, it kind of makes sense to follow his God. An elder must be above reproach in character. Not greedy for gain. Not motivated to be an elder for ulterior motives but out of love for God and love for people and God's church. And then an elder needs to be above reproach in his doctrine. He needs to know the Scripture. Again, not every jot and tittle in Scripture, but when general questions are asked, an elder should be able to defend the core doctrines of the church. There's also nothing wrong with an elder being humble enough to say, that's a great question. Let me get back to you on it. But an elder needs to know the Word of God and have that shape his thinking because that's essential for us. If the elder's integrity is questionable, their ability to lead evaporates. So integrity above reproach are critical. Okay, now that I've put the elders on a pedestal, I want to recognize our elders right now. We have a team of four elders. Um, Jason Rodenheiser, pastor back there. Jason, Chris Ward, right back there. Opie Rahul, who is on travel right now, but many of you all know who Opie is. And I love serving with these guys. It's a real privilege because I'm telling you, I've seen that they live up to this character. I can vouch for each of these men. Uh, the way our Elder board works out. 
is uh, these are men of character. I know these guys love you, and they love the organization of City View Church. I know that they go above and beyond to serve. And so encourage them. I'm grateful for the privilege of working with these guys. The way our elder board is structured right now, we have uh, two paid elders. That's Jason and me, and two unpaid elders. And just so you know, we are equal as elders. The only difference between the paid elders and the unpaid elders is that Jason and I get paid to be good, and those guys are good for nothing, all right? So, um, but we serve together as, as equals, uh, as elders. And um, as an elder board, we, we meet roughly once a month, and then sometimes if ad hoc things come up, but um, we, by our... Um, what is it, our, our incorporation. We have to meet at least quarterly, but we do meet more than that. Uh, in general, our elders, we ask them to serve for a three-year term that can be renewed for a second three-year term, uh, but that's a guideline, and we think for extenuating reasons, we might have elders serving longer. We have done that as our churches have merged and we've moved in the building. We just had a lot going on, but in general, we would like to rotate uh, our elders through. It's the same as in a sport, keeps kind of fresh legs, fresh ideas coming in. We don't want to be a stale group that, you know, you've got the insiders and the outsiders. That's not our heart in any of this. So um, just want to make sure I cover everything I've got here on this. So what should motivate an elder? Uh, an elder should be motivated by this. And I want to dip back into 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. It talks about the shepherding in there. And then in verse 4, it says this, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You know, as elders, we're not doing this for material gain. We're not doing this to advance in other ways. We're doing this because we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. The thing that would bring more joy to us than anything else is to see you as a church congregation grow in your faith in Christ, that you know him more, you love him more, you obey him more. And just hear God say, well done, guys, you set that tone. If we set the tone here at City View where you say, yeah, I want to know Christ better, yeah, I want to serve him more, then we as elders are doing the job that God has called us to do. That's what we want. Now, our elders love you. They lead, they serve, they feed you, they protect you. But there's a lot of demands on the elders, and um, it's been very, very busy. So I'm really excited to say that we would like to bring on board another elder, and um, I would like to ask John Seferic right here, if you could wave, stand, John, uh, John, you'll notice, has a cast on. We didn't get in a fight or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, it's from twisting his arm to be an elder. Um, but let me tell you about John right here. Uh, John, I've known for about a decade or so. Um, I love this brother. When we add an elder to the elder team, our desire is to consider three things, character, competency, and chemistry. And all three are really important. Character, the Bible makes that very clear. This is the type of person we're looking for. Competency, we need guys who are comfortable handling the Word of God and also comfortable leading. 
And then chemistry is that kind of thing where it's just like you click, you get along well. We don't want a group of yes men as elders, but we don't want people coming on board saying, yeah, you guys are heading this direction. I'm going to get it turned around this way. So we don't want yes men, but we want a, a sense of unity and being able to work together uh, for the common good of our congregation. But John, I've known for a decade or so. We've uh, led a Bible study together. We've been in life group together for a number of years. Uh, and we've had the privilege of serving as missionaries in Guatemala together and training church leaders there as well. So I've just seen John in many, many different arenas. And I'm telling you, John and his wife, Randy, are just gold for us. If you don't already know them, you need to get to know them. So here's the way things work at City View. When we nominate an elder, the elders will nominate someone to be an elder. Congregation, you now have two weeks. Clock starts right now to say, whoa, I know of a reason where he doesn't measure up to the character listed here in Titus chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is not a chance for you to say, yeah, but I would rather see so, you know, it's, it's, does this person meet the character? And I believe John does, but for the sake of integrity, we want to be open with everyone. You got two weeks if you say, no, there's something, you know, I see John out in the casinos and we'd say, well, why are you doing, why are you out there? Well, you know, so anything like that, that might disqualify him congregation, you've got two weeks, um, Assuming there are no objections, we will formally bring John on board, and we'll do that as a, uh, as a public um, event right here where everyone will see that. I'll just say that when a man steps up to be an elder, his, his wife is definitely involved in that. So, Randy, we really appreciate you. We love the fact that you can't get into this building without getting a hug from Randy. So thank you for being so welcoming. Uh, Satan would love to destroy the leaders in the church. So please be praying for those who lead you and love you as a church. So when a church is led, fed, and protected by a team of elders who are above reproach, it should be easy for the church to trust and respect their leaders. When a church has leaders who are willing to be open before the congregation, you know, have character that matches up with what the Bible says, we should be doing way better than the rest of our culture does when it comes to leadership. 1 Peter 5 continues in verse 5 like this. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When a church is like this, will thrive. When a church has godly leadership, and when a congregation respects and honors its leadership, and when there's humility clothing everything. Humility is like the oil, which just keeps us all moving along. When we have that humility amongst one another, we're going to thrive. God's going to do great things. Here at City View, we're about Christ community, and commission. And as elders, this is the direction we're taking. We want Christ to be at the center of attention in all that we do. We want there to be a sense that Jesus Christ is present with us in all that we do. We want him exalted. 
We want to draw people to him. We want Christ at the center of attention. We're also about community. Because church is not intended to be something where you just sit and look at the back of someone's head in front of you. Church is to be where you interact with one another. God has given us each different gifts and abilities. He's given us different backgrounds, different experiences. And when we come to church, we look for ways to minister to one another. You may be here because there's someone who needs the experience you've got. It's no accident that you're here. And God didn't intend for you to think that church is just something where you plop down in a seat and you either hear a message or you sleep through it, whatever your choice is, and then go home. God wants us to interact with each other and to build each other up. That's community. That is why life groups are the backbone of what we do as a church. Jeff, thanks for giving the plug earlier today. I tell you what, after our life group meetings, I'm ready to run through a brick wall the next day. I love being with our life groups. So guys, plug into a life group. We've got three life groups now. Two of them are south of Route 50 in South Riding and in Aldi, and we have one here in Ashburn. I'd love to see our life groups double by next year. Not just to get big for the sake of getting big, but because we want to see our people plugged in and engaged with one another. And sometimes sparks fly when you get closer to each other. That's all right. Community is essential. We will have other events. We've got a, a women's luncheon coming up. We've got a men's breakfast coming up. And so we're going to have other events and other ministries going on. But do understand this, that we want everyone involved in a life group so you're rubbing shoulders with one another. Everyone ought to be in close community here because that's what God has called us to. It's Christ, that's community, and commission is what Jesus told us to do. He said, I want you to go and make disciples. And the way we say it here is we want to help people take their next step towards knowing, that's with your head, loving, that's with your heart, and following Jesus Christ. That's with our hands and our feet. That's doing something with what we know. If you only do one of those things or two of those things, it's incomplete. It's all three. We should be growing in our knowledge. We should be reading the Scripture. We should be discussing Scripture with one another. And you know, the more you get to know Jesus Christ, the more you can't help but say, He's amazing, and that love is going to grow. And then as your heart is warm and you love Christ, it's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm yours. And you'll obey Him, and you'll serve Him, and you'll serve one another. This is the kind of church that we want to be. I think our story is really pretty incredible. God has bought different congregations together. He's merged us. And if that wasn't enough, he said, you guys need a building. So he's given us this building. And he has not given us this building so that we can kick our feet back and say, yes, we've got a building. It is nice having a building. There's a lot of work involved in it too. He has given us this building so that we can be a strategic outpost for the gospel in this region. He's given us this building because he wants it filled with people. We've got 239 townhouses being built right across the parking lot from us. It's going to be roughly 1,000 people that are new to this area that need to know Jesus and need a church. Let's be that church. 
There's housing communities all around here, and building is still going on. God didn't put us in this building so we could be comfortable and say, let's get settled. Instead of giving you a building so that the community can see you're here, now use it to reach the community. The building is a tool that God has given us. My prayer for us at City View is that God has put us together for such a time as this. And I know that people have to move for work and other things, and people come and go, and this is Northern Virginia. But I do pray that everyone that is here right now would be able to look back and say, what God did in our time in City View was amazing. It was that City View where I took some very significant steps towards Jesus Christ. It was that City View that I saw my neighbor come to Christ. Whatever it might be, we want this to be a huge part of your growth as a Christian. And I pray that when we're all together for the rest of forever in heaven, that we'd be able to high-five each other and say, man, it was awesome that we got to spend time together in that old world at City View and see God work. Your next step in this, take some time to look over those character traits. Say, am I growing in these character traits? I would also humbly ask that you pray for the elders that we have wisdom with addressing the different matters that face the church and that we would lead well. It says this in the book of Hebrews towards the very end of it. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be of no advantage to you. I really count it a privilege that I get to serve here and be an elder at City View. And I'll do whatever it takes to help you take your next step towards growing in Christ. That's what we're here for. We've had the elders stand so you know who they are. We don't want to be secretive or anything like that. If you have any questions, or if you would like to be prayed over about anything, please grab an elder. We're not too busy for that. There's no such thing as a stupid question. You know, when you get here for a long time, you start taking for granted that everyone knows what you know. And so, please, feel free to ask questions. We're here for you. Uh, we love you. We want to shepherd this flock and see you grow and then see God grow our congregation. We really are all in this together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love the church more than we can imagine. Lord, you say in your word that you have purchased people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Lord, we want to be a reflection of that here. I pray that we will be a church in which your presence is evident. I pray that we will be a church that builds up one another and sees you grow us. Lord, I do pray that if there's anyone here today who doesn't yet know Jesus as Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. That it would be a day where we stop fighting against you 
and say, Lord, I believe Jesus died in my place and he rose again and I'm turning to him. Lord, you know there are different things going on. I pray that you would strengthen and encourage our life groups. I thank you for our children's ministry going on now upstairs and then just over um, around the corner as well. Lord, I pray that this would be a place where children and youth come to know you and love you at a young age. I pray that they would be set for life following you. So Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We are your church, and we want you to use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.